You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Welcome to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. I am your host for today, Alan, and we have a special guest, special guest, Caleb Joseph is joining us and we're going to interview him and you're going to get to learn a little bit about his story he has an interesting story and we just want to thank him for taking the time out of his busy schedule uh, to join us today Um, currently he's back in the states but um, this past season he was playing with uh the Sesh Republic one of the teams in the Sesh Republic I don't know how to pronounce it so I'm not gonna butcher it um uh, maybe he can help me out is Usti Slunetta yeah Usti Labum Slunetta yeah yeah okay cool I'm glad phonetics kind of saved me in college yeah. <laughs> we're gonna just take the opportunity you don't gotta give everything but just give us a little bit um a little a little background so we can go ahead and we can jump into the interview because i definitely have some questions i'm gonna have to shut phil out for a little while because i feel like it's a, it's a lot of meaty stuff there that we can really learn about you for sure yeah yeah so um so yeah i grew up um in new hampshire uh like a small city uh nashville new hampshire um big family uh one of 11 siblings uh me me and phil have that in common big family um and, you know, yeah, basketball kind of just just created a lot of opportunities for me that um, a lot of the kids that I grew up with and even some of my family members weren't granted, uh, you know, because obviously society loves basketball and sports and athletics. So, um, you know, I was blessed with the opportunity to uh, to get a scholarship to a prep school um, in high school about my, my sophomore year. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes to just a whole new walk of life. I was being um, exposed to kids from all over the world with parents that you know have some of the most prestige jobs um in 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 the country um so that just exposed me to different ways of living um you know and then uh you know worked hard and was granted uh i i became one of the top 10 uh point guard recruits in the country um and you know i was able to pick for pretty much from whatever school i wanted to go to since the sixth grade, it was my dream to play at Syracuse. Um, you know, my first college basketball game that I watched was uh, that six overtime game against UConn. So, you know, I'm, I'm hype. I'm thinking this is what college basketball is like, you know, um, a little naive. But, you know, from there, you know, that that, that was my dream and I was able to see it through. Um, I, yeah, I got there, uh, you know, played play two years, made it to the final four. Uh, we had, we had some things going on at Syracuse. It was time for me to get out of there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm going too far. Yeah, uh, you're giving start. us all the juice. We got an interview, and we will ask you those questions. Yeah, so yeah. You're giving us so much juice. So, yeah. Caleb, thanks for, for coming on the show. Um, and it took a while because I know your sister, so yeah. um, who married my best friend, so I appreciate that. So let's take it back, and we like to give, and you're giving too much meat, but let's take it back to when yeah. you first touched the ball. Yeah. What made you, how was your, your, your middle school, uh, high school career, and what made you fall in love with the sport? 
Uh, you know, I, I, I started playing basketball because one of my big sisters, uh, Jennifer, she, she played. Um, and I kind of, you know, we lived in the projects at the time. So we had a whole basketball court right outside, right out in front of the house. Um, you know, I was kind of a, just kind of like a loner kid, you know, just trying to find my way to find a way to fit in. And um, she was always outside hooping with, with, with some of the older guys. Uh, so, you know, me just trying to fit in, go out, try to play with them. Um, and they let me play, you know, they, they let me play a little bit, you know, they beat me up a little bit, but, you know, ultimately that helped. Uh, but yeah, it was just something that I loved that I was competitive at a young age and, um, you know, wanting to, to prove myself to the older guys that kind of stuck with me, you know, that, that chip on your shoulder mentality kind of stuck with me. And, um, it was something that I took with me for the rest of my career. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I was very competitive at a young age. I always wanted to be the best. Um, and yeah, that, that served me well. So I want to ask you this question because we're still kind of sort of talking about at a young age, you were given the opportunity to play. But I came across something yesterday. Yeah. And it was talking about you was in a tournament in Florida. Yeah. You lost an AAU game by like 81. Yeah. And and I think it was coach, I think it was Wyatt. Yeah. Coach Mark Wyatt. Martin. He was like, Yeah, we're all gonna go to the beach. And you was like, nah, bro. Like, we lost by 81. We gotta find a court. Mm -hmm. Like, how was everyone's reaction to like when you made that kind of statement? Because even at a young age, you kind of see like, nah, like, bro, like, I'm not cool with that. Like, it's like a certain competitive fire that you have to always wanting to get better. So what was everyone's response when you responded that particular? Uh, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, they were probably like, boy, shut up, let's go to the beach. You know what I mean? Uh, it just didn't probably take me too serious. Um, you know, at, at least my teammates didn't. But I think uh, Coach, Coach Wyatt, he was, he was like, super vital for me in my basketball career, especially at a young age, because uh, he kind of planted those competitive seeds in me. He, he was somebody who I lived with for quite some time at, at that age, of, at that period of my life. And um, he was always telling me about the, the great players that came from the area. Uh, Matt Bonner was one of the few players to play in the NBA from New Hampshire. So like he was always telling me stories about them when they were my age. Oh, when he when he was your age, he was better than you. When he was like just kind of planting um, those seeds of like giving me something to chase. Um, and you know, immediately when we lost, I was like, okay, well, I'm thinking, what would Matt do? What would Chris Brickley do? What would Tyler Roach do if they were in my situation? How would they feel about it? Because these are the guys that I'm chasing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it just meant a little bit more to me than, than, than my teammates at the time, which is fine. You know what I mean? We're right. about 11 years old. But to me, I just, I always had my eyes set on becoming the best player from New Hampshire. That was always my goal, you know? So um, that's what motivated the, those, that, that's what you see um, when, when you read stories like that. Definitely, definitely. I wanted to ask you, what athlete do you admire? while you was growing up when i was young oh, yeah or emulate 
your game after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, when I was young, it was hot sauce. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's how I got in, yeah, that's how I got interested in, introduced to the game. You know, it, it was fun and it was creative. You know, that's what made me fall in love with the game. Right? I grew up, I started playing street ball. You know, that, that's how it all came together for me. Um, but once I started playing organized basketball, you know, like I had coaches teaching me about Magic Johnson, about, you know, some of the some of the old great players. Um, but, you know, me, I, I wanted to be flashy. I was looking at guys like Jason Williams, Allen Iverson, you know, um, but as I as my game has matured, you know, I, I like my favorite players, Drew Holiday. That's somebody that I really try to uh, emulate my game after two way player, underrated can get you a bucket, can guard all, every position, strong guard, like consistent. Um, so yeah, it's changed over the years, but that's how it all started for me. Mm. I like that Drew, Drew Holiday. He's a, he's a menace and I'm glad I'm, I wouldn't be in the league right now. Yeah, he's a dog. Um, just just wanna just kind of just stay more in like kind of your childhood area. Like how much of an influence were your parents um despite the challenges that you had in your childhood uh to still develop that type of work ethic because um from what i'm understanding your father had two three jobs like all the time and your mother was always like helping other individuals out trying to get housing so it's just like yeah man uh my my parents uh you know they they played a big role in my life um you know for better or worse uh, my dad he he's always he's the first person that i really uh started to examine and understand what like work ethic really looked like you know he he came here from panama um when he was about 17 moved to new york uh moved to new hampshire with with my mom um and yeah, just always kind of just grinded for everything that he had, you know, like really, really like put his nose down and just worked. Um, always working multiple jobs. Never in my life have I known him to only have one job. And, you know, that's out of necessity, you know, um, not because that's something that he wants to do, but right. something that he, he's got to do and he, he's willing to do that. Uh, my mom, similar, she, she just, she works, you know, that they both just work really hard. Um, and I wanted to, I, that just seemed like uh, the blueprint to getting what you want, you know? So um, I, I decided at a young age that, you know, if I wanna make something of myself, then that's kind of what I need to do. And I was, I was blessed uh, to have people in my life, my coaches included, to, to really look after me and take me in when my parents uh, weren't able to, to get me to and from practice. Uh, and, you know, that in itself, you know, motivated me to work that much harder, you know, because I wanted them to be able to come and enjoy my games. And um, every every kid wants to take care of their parents when they're young, you know. Um, so, yeah, that, that was all a, a big motivating factor for me. Wow. Great. You're right. Every kid wants to take care of their parents and make them proud. And um, uh, but I want to ask you um, and we'll stay right in the childhood. So you gave it, you gave us a taste about recruiting since sixth grade, but what was that aha moment where where it said I could actually go to the next level? When was that moment when you saw you separated yourself from the crowd and then you could go to the next level? Yeah, I mean that when I was that young, it was always just like I was always just trying to prove that I was the best at that level, you know. So I I like like when I was in middle school. 
Um, and, and honestly, like I, I've, God really has, has placed like the right people in my life at the right time, because at every step I had coaches who just, you know, like really just fed me the right information. Um, so yeah, in middle school, it was like, that, that's when I knew I was really good uh, because there, was, there hadn't ever been a sixth grader to make the middle school team. Um, and, you know, so I wanted to be the first sixth grader and started off with that, you know? Um, so I made the team, I was sixth man coming off the bench and then we play championship game and the starting point guard who's an eighth grader gets hurt uh, like in warm-up line. So I end up starting, you know, and I end up having like 18 points uh, to, to bring us back down by like 12. Uh, we win the game, you know what I mean? So, so that really like that sixth grade year was, was definitely one that uh, I was able to prove to myself that, you know, I, I can do this and I can do, uh, I can play with, with, with the older guys, you know what I mean? Um, and that was like super big for my confidence at that age, you know? And then from that point on, uh, the rest of my middle school career never lost a game. Um, and yeah, just I just kept wanting to dominate at every level that I was at, you know what I mean? Um, so that's when I really started to, uh, to, to really think that I, I could do this. And then obviously in eighth grade, I got my first scholarship offer. So um, yeah, that little things like that proved to me that, you know, I'm a little bit different than my, my classmates. So tell us about the scholarship offer. I'm not sure if it was that particular one, but it was a division three scholarship and you were kind of upset because your coach was excited, but you was like, nah, I want more. <laughs> I want better for myself. I wanted, you know, like, like you said, like you wanted to go to Syracuse, like what, what was just the initial feeling of just actually getting that first scholarship offer? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, is, it was weird, man. It was weird. It was, I, it was like kind of confusing too. This was the first time that I had like had an, like up to this point, I've always had adults in my life, you know, that believed in me and kind of just kind of motivated me and, and kept planting the right seeds in my mind that I could do anything that I wanted. But, um, you know, I got, I got an offer in eighth grade, uh, my first division one scholarship uh, from Boston university. Um, and then so eighth grade going into my freshman year, you know, I'm telling, I, I, I told, I'm, I'm now I'm trying to go be the first uh, freshman to start on varsity, you know? So that's, that's my mindset. I go to, uh, so, so I, I make the team, I make the varsity team and mind you, my coach, like the social media wasn't as big as it was right now. So, you know, I know that I have this scholarship offer. My AAU coaches know that I have this scholarship offer, but my high school coach doesn't know. You know, he's just thinking, oh, this is just a pretty talented kid, but he's going to have to, you know, work his way and earn his, earn his way, which I should. But he was kind of old school and thinking that you should wait behind, the, if you should wait behind the, the juniors and the seniors um, and wait your turn. But um, so when I was getting, I started like obviously like in the area, small local schools start to come and watch, mostly just to watch the the, the juniors and seniors that are on the team. Um, and obviously, if I'm in eighth grade and I have a scholarship offer from Boston University, a Division three school would be dumb to not 
you know, at least express some sort of interest. So um, they do that. They read, they, they reach out and, and tell, tell my coach, Oh yeah, he, he's pretty good. We're interested in him, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when he tells me, when he relays the information to me, I'm not as happy about it. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But like, I'm not interested, you know, that's not really where I, where I see myself. And then it goes back to just him. What do you mean? Like, you should be grateful just for this. And, and, and that was when I started to realize that like, we just had different visions of me. You know, I wanted something more. He was happy with, you know, me just settling for anything, anything. Yeah. And, 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 and that just, that, that, that showed itself and manifested in his approach and way of coaching me. Like he wasn't challenging me the way I needed to be. He was, you know, trying to push me to the background and, uh, and, and that just wasn't the best environment for me. You know, you can't, you can't blossom and grow if, you know, your coaches aren't pouring into you. So, you know, after that, it was time for me to get out of there. Um, so yeah, by sophomore year, I, I, I transferred because um, it just, it just wasn't a good fit, but yeah, I definitely wasn't happy about it. Um, and for some reason he was. Oh, wow. That's crazy. The first thing is, and I always tell the kids when I coach, I am not allergic to winning. I'll do what I need to do to win. If a little person, any person who could give me what I need to help me succeed, you're in there. So uh, I definitely, like you said, fortunate that you were able to foresee this at a young age and, and move forward. Um, so we, I want to go into more recruiting. How was that recruiting process? Now you're in an academy, you transferred out your academy. And when did you get, when, what number, and you can give me a range, Syracuse, which you stated was your dream school, actually reached out to you. Whether in a particular game or a particular moment, you felt that kind of made them, you know, Belheim, Belheim, not Belheim, it's Belheim, Jim Belheim, yeah. right, reached out to you or they were reached out to you. What was that moment? Um, you know, it started off early. You know, I, like I said, I got my first offer when I was in eighth grade. And then, um, you know, so you get a little buzz going into the summer for AAU tournaments. And now, like, you're in high school now, so everybody can start to really reach out to you. And um, it, it, for me, it, like, I, I kind of had to climb, climb, um, climb the rankings, you know. Um, so we go to these showcases. Um, and we're playing against the, the best competition because, you know, um, that's the only way you can do it. Right. Uh, and I, I got a couple like mid major, low major offers early on, uh, like St. Bonaventures, a lot of the Atlantic 10 conference, um, th those schools reached out to me early. And then, um, I want to say late in my, like my sophomore year, that summer things started to take off for me because, mm -hmm. Um, I just started to get a little more confidence in myself and just kind of really tried to assert myself. Um, going back, uh, I had been talking to my, my prep school coach, telling him like, yeah, like I, like I see these coaches, like a couple coaches just kept following me around. Every, every game that we had in the summertime, I kept seeing their faces in the front row. Um, and I told him, I was like, oh, I, I, I see, I see, I see, uh, I see it was Mike Hopkins. He was the associate head coach hood coach at at Syracuse at the time and I was like I see him he's, he's at the game and I told him you know when I decided to transfer to that school to Cushing Academy I asked him I was like listen man I want to play I want to play at Syracuse like can you help me do this and he was like you know you listen to me then I'll make sure that I put you in the right position so I'm telling him I'm gassed up like listen man like I see them like they're, they're watching me now 
And he's like, okay, just, just keep focusing on the game. Like, don't worry about it. Um, we go back, back to school that weekend. And um, he calls me in his office. He's like, hey man, um, coach, coach Beheim, coach Mike Hopkins, they're gonna come in and watch you, watch you practice um, tomorrow. So I'm like wow. gassed up, man. I got the whole night to think about it, which is probably the worst thing for me because I didn't sleep at all. Um, and yeah, so so they come in. Um, I'm I'm gassed up, man. Like all my teammates know. I'm like, man, give me the ball today. Like, give me the ball. <laughs> don't don't you? Nobody's shooting but me. Um, so yeah, man. They came watch me practice immediately after practice. They offered me a scholarship, and man, I was like the happiest I've been ever, man. That, that was like a great moment for me because I felt like I manifested that, you know, before I knew what manifestation was, I felt like I spoke that into existence and I made that happen. And that, that was like, that was everything for me, you know? Word. Yeah. That's great. That's real. That's real dope. Now, when you finally, and I'll probably have an, another question I saw this might be a two-part question so I'm looking at the top 10 point guards in the country as you said it you were you were top 50 just overall Mm -hmm. um but you have Emmanuel Moutier Mm -hmm. Tyus Jones Tyler Ulis yourself Melo Trimble Mm -hmm. and I I gotta say his name because we in North Carolina Joel Berry yeah so we know, of course, there's an AAUC. Were there any times that you had to go up or had a matchup against any of those top 10 guys? For sure. And AAU, man, like once you once you get into these rankings, like now, now like these these uh the sneaker companies, they start to really try to uh they, they try to get you to sign with them early. Right. So what they do is they they host these camps. So it's like uh, like the Nike camp, uh, it's the Jordan brand camp, it's the Adidas Nations camp. And depending on what a, so the way they get you is they sponsor your AAU team. Um, and my, my team was sponsored by Adidas at the time. So every single, every single summer, Adidas hosts these things, these tournaments called Adidas Nations, where they, they bring all of the top players from the rankings from America, from China, from Africa, it's, it's Adidas Nation. So they're bringing all the top players from all over the world to, to play at their camp. Um, and that's when you start to see different guys that, that we now know about. Like that's when I started playing against Joel Embiid. Um, that's when I'm seeing, you know, all of these names that you're saying. And, that, and for the players, that was really where you got to finally play against the guys that you see in these rankings. Because if I'm on the Adidas circuit and another guy in front of you plays on the Nike circuit, you're really not gonna cross paths with them during the AAU season. So camp season is really when you get to explore those matchups in front of the scouts, in front of you know the people who, who, who have all the big money. Um, and Emmanuel Moutier, he was like the top guy, um, the, top, the top point guard coming out of high school. Um, and he was like, he was the guy everybody was chasing. Um, so he was like my first big matchup and, you know, he was, I wasn't like physically, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have a mature body at that time, but he was just a grown man. Like in high school, he was like six, four, 
200. Like he was just a, he was a man, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So he was the first guy that I, that I got matched up against at that, in front of people. And uh, I think, you know, we, we went at it for a while, but you know, it, it was apparent that he was just more physically gifted than me just because of his maturity at that time. Um, another guy, he's not on that list, but he was a year above me. He was a year older than me, Casey Hill. He was, a, he was one of the guys who, you know, in, in the class above me uh, was a top five uh, point guard in the country. And because I played well against him, that's what really propelled me in, in all the national rankings. Um, so yeah, man, I, I was, I was always hunting, man. I was, I was always trying to chase the guy in front of me. That that's kind of how I, how I got to where I'm at just by trying to catch up, you know, as you should have. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had a two part question, Alan. So my question is, so now you into Syracuse, you entered your senior year is over. You sign. You're playing and you're playing and I think some injuries occur during your freshman year. Mm-hmm. How was that and what ultimately caused you to say, you know what? I lived out my dream. I stepped foot on ground on Syracuse. I saw Carmelo's pictures and all the others, but it's time for me to move on. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, Syracuse is, is it was it was a dream come true for sure. But it's also, you know to play at that level, you need a little bit of luck in terms of, you know, like your upbringing, you need, you need cert- certain level of support um, because it's, it's, a, it's a business. It's a business yeah. at that level. It's a business. And, and, and me being young, a little bit naive, you know, um, I didn't realize that at the time. Uh, so this was my first time, you know, playing on that stage in front of, you know, we have the biggest crowd in college basketball, 35,000 people, every game's on national television. It's one of the biggest journalist schools in the country. So everybody's constantly um, in your business, your everything you do is, is it's, it's, it's a headline. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't mature enough at that stage of my life to deal with that. Um, it really gave me a lot of anxiety, honestly, because, um, you know, up until that point, I was just figuring out on my own, you know, my parents didn't know much about basketball, they're, they're working, trying to, you know, just trying to survive. So really, I was navigating this, this business as a 19 year old kid on my own. You know, when I when I made my college decision, um, I made that decision on my own. Um, and, and these are big, these are big decisions, you know. Um, so it was too much for me, um, looking back at it, because I just wasn't mature enough, you know, and what 19 year old kid is, you know, right. to, to handle being in that type of spotlight. It, it, it's a lot. Um, so between getting injured and not being able to, to let people know that I was injured uh, and having people talk, talk about me, oh, what's going on with Caleb? He sucks this year. What like, right. you know, but I was injured. I wasn't able to play, but at, at those type of schools, injuries, all of those things, they stay in-house, you know, you don't, you don't mm-hmm. talk about them publicly. And I wasn't, I, I didn't know how to handle um, that type of pressure and people, you know, having a comment about what I ate for breakfast, you know, it was just too much. Um, so, I, and then on top of that, we, we, uh, we had gotten in trouble uh, for some allegations the team. So we were, we weren't allowed to go to the tournament. They were taking away scholarships. Um, So 
And we didn't know what other sanctions that they were going to give us at the time. So everybody was trying to clear house because we didn't know what the future was going to hold. We didn't know if for the next two years we were even going to be able to go to the tournament. Mm. Um, so for everybody, there was a couple, I wasn't the only one. There's a couple guys that left also. Um, and yeah, just cause you, we didn't know what was coming. Um, and for me, based on my experience there, it was like, I want to get as far away from this as possible. And that's how I ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, um, at Creighton university, uh, because, you know, I just, I needed a, I needed a change of pace. I needed to focus on myself. I needed to focus on, you know, my maturity, um, as a man off the court, you know what I mean? Cause I had a lot going on. So yeah, that, that's what made that decision for me. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a couple of different questions I can get out of this. I'll just start with this. So I understand not being able to talk about the injury, like, you know what I'm saying, out to the media and everything. Was there anyone on the coaching staff or maybe even teammates that you were able to lean on in that particular time? Because like, like you said, like, when when players or when individuals just go to college in general especially like 18 19 years old not everyone has the same type of upbringing to where they had someone who who went to college so now i'm now i'm just talking out loud because i i I have so many questions like what like were you kind of like the first um in your family to go to college or no you know, my I my I have two um, two really strong older sisters, um, really strong uh, figures in my life, um, who who both got a college degree, but you know, with the difference in age, I wasn't and and the way I was brought up, you know, on my, I was on my mom's side, they were on my dad's side, mm-hmm. um, I was with my coaches, so I wasn't really able to to learn too much from their experience, just because. I, w- I was, you know, I was chasing, you know, I was so right. focused on, on my path. Um, and, and then, when, you know, when you get to that level, um, everybody's, it's, it's every man for themselves, really, you know, we're all on the same team uh, and we're all teammates. I'm, I'm walking around campus with this guy, but at the end of the day, he may be the one thing standing in between me and, and getting on the court. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer type deal. And, um, you know, so everybody, nobody's really trying to, to, to help anyone. If I'm being honest, everybody's just trying to take care of themselves, especially at those, at at that level. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to really lean on. Um, you know, I, I could only, you know, pay attention to what had happened, what's happening to the guys around me. Um, and I had a guy on my team, Daywan Coleman, who, you know, he was projected first round draft pick coming out of high school um, and stayed home, went to Syracuse. He struggled with some injuries, um, ACL injuries, and he was never the same, you know? Um, so that was really the only example that I had of like seeing a guy come in with a high stock and then after injuries kind of just kind of fall off. Um, and, you know, that almost created a, a certain level of paranoia for me because this, I'm not trying to end up like that, you know? Um, so no, it, it was tough, man. It was really tough, you know? Um, 
because it, it, you, you, you know, you dream of this moment, you dream of being on this stage, and it's nothing like you expected, you know, simply because um, you're a little bit naive and the lack of guidance that you have. But, um, but yeah, man, it, it was tough. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I'm, I'm grateful for it all. You know, um, uh, I'm definitely not not upset about where I'm at in my life and in my career. You know, definitely, definitely. I want to just take it back because it's shocking because you're a freshman, you're playing. Right, yeah. You're getting some minutes and you go to the final four. Yeah. You're right. How was that experience? How was that? You know, you're going round by round. Yeah. 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 Beat. Um, oops. So you go round by round and you're, you're beating teams and yeah, you're going deep. And, and it seems that, you know, in my mind, the experience would lead to next year is going to be even better. You know, that yeah. naive thought. But tell me that experience. Freshman year, you know, you're going in your first time in the tournament. You know, it seems like every dream you you mark is is coming true. How was that year? Yeah, it's conflicting. You know, it's it's really conflicting because you know, on the surface, it looks like you're achieving. I mean, you are. We're achieving like success that every college basketball player um, dreams of. But you know, inside, it just didn't feel right. You know, something wasn't right. I wasn't. You know, I wasn't getting what I needed as a human, you know what I mean? Separate from a basketball player, like on the court, everything was good, but off the court, you know, I, I was really struggling um, and I wasn't getting the type of support that I needed um, to, to really like develop as a young man. And, um, and I knew that because I just, I had, I was struggling too much, you know, it's like, at this point, I should be happy, you know, I should right. be happy, but, um, you know, things just weren't right. It wasn't a good fit for me. And, you know, giving my, my background and the way I grew up and the, what I needed, I, I wasn't getting from that, from that, from that coaching staff. Um, and that's nothing against them. You know, right. their job is to win games. Um, it's not to, uh, to really look after these kids, you know, um, which there's a lot to be said about that in itself. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I just wasn't, I wasn't getting what I needed. Um, so I, I needed to find somewhere else and, and, and look for an option that would, you know, help me develop on the court and off the court. Definitely. Definitely. I, I know that that year y'all beat number one, Virginia. Yeah. And y'all lost to North Carolina. Joella. Uh, Joel uh, Barry, man. Yeah, man. Dad. He tough. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. But it's funny because I didn't know Creighton. Creighton sounds like somewhere that should be in the Midwest and not in Nebraska. Like Definitely. If, I learned something new today. <laughs> like whenever I hear Creighton, I'm like, that sounds like that's in Ohio somewhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely learned something new. So you get to Creighton. Um looking for a fresh start yeah how did you have to i guess the word is just to fit in into what they already have going on because i mean at this particular time when people transfer out it's not like how it is like right now to where it's just like oh you transfer and you can immediately play yeah i think you had to sit out a year right yep yeah so so that time that time that you had to to sit out like how did you feel like you would be like the this is like the perfect fit for you yeah man it it, 
that uh, yeah like you said so the rules were a little bit different back at, at that point you know you tr if you transfer then you had to redshirt so you have to sit out the entire year now you can transfer and immediately be eligible to play um that transfer year i mean that redshirt year was really 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 big for me in terms of you know now i have to you know learn a whole new system i have to learn how to play man-to-man -man defense because at syracuse we only play two three and i've never played man-to-man -man defense at this level you know so you got to learn how to fight through ball screens you got to know how to be in help side play the gaps and these are all new concepts to me that I had not been in high school. We're not doing that. We're just relying on pure athleticism, just being better than everybody. So now I have to completely um, learn an entire new scheme and style of basketball. Um, so that redshirt year was really, really big for me in terms of, uh, you know, just understanding the game of basketball at that level. Um, and the style of play was perfect for me. It was it was up 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 and down. We were. Uh, we, we, we every year were top five in three point uh, shooting percentage and three point shot attempts. So it was really like like the brand of basketball that you see Golden State playing right now, get up and down, shoot threes, fast paced basketball, creativity, open space like that was creating basketball. And that's where um, that was like a perfect fit for me at the time. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited about it, but then going into after my redshirt year, when it was finally time for me to play, just a week before season opener, I, I tear my hamstring and mm. I go through another injury. So, you know, the grind, it, it only got more serious from there, you know? Wow. Wow. So this tells how rehab went. And then um, your senior year um, was watching some of your highlights and you didn't seem to be mo most of, you seem to be mostly a distributor. And uh, your game was in in house, which is weird because now um, everyone shoots a three. Even my daughter AU games, she'd come out the first shot, hit a three. <laughs> but it was unique because, and this is our just before the pandemic, your senior year, twenty nineteen. Um, and I do want to talk about that experience when you had to bet on yourself and and just go out and try. But mainly that senior year. Um, you're back on you rehabbing you're back on the court but just take us through that, that experience from rehabbing and back on your court and it was me like your senior year it was mm -hmm. actually almost your first year in a sense yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah one year <laughs> yeah it was wild man you know that that was a really hard year that that, that whole experience was really hard for me um on the court but off the court I felt like I was doing a ton of like personal development in terms of maturing and, and um, you know, developing my relationship with God and, and, and really just becoming more self-aware um, because, you know, if we, we rewind going in, coming out of high school, I'm top 10 recruit in my, in my, in my position. You know, I, I have success at the college level. I play in the final four. Uh, I'm, I'm, going into college thinking I'm one year, two years, and I'm out, you know? Um, all the, the top, the, 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 the people who you listed on that uh, top 10 point guard coming out of high school, all of these guys at this point, you know, I'm saying five, five of them at, at this point are already in the NBA, you know? So it's, these are the guys that I'm, that I'm competing with mentally, you know? Um, so 
when my path went a little bit different because of my my injuries and, and, and things that I was struggling with personally, um, it kind of felt like I was followed, taking a back seat, you know, but um, so yeah, that was really just, that was hard. That was, that was hard to, to navigate, you know, at that, at that age, you know, 21 years old, 20 years old, that, that's a hard, hard thing to navigate, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it was hard. And then, you know, you have to earn your coach's trust as a senior. Like that's not really something that people really want. That's not a position you really want to be in. You know, that's something that a freshman should be doing, but I just hadn't had any time on the court because of my injuries, you know? Um, so yeah, that, it was a grind, man. It, it, it was really, really hard, but ultimately uh, it helped me, you know, gain a lot of perspective um, on myself and where, where I wanted to take it, take things with my personal life. Um, but yeah, man, it was hard. I'm not gonna lie. It was hard. So as we starting just to shift just a little bit, yeah. Um, as you had to deal with injuries twice on two different college teams, uh, I would say even as you became a pro, what lessons from those injuries, from a mental perspective, that you learn in order to continue to stay with the grind because sometimes you know it's it's a it's really a mental thing like sometimes it's like physically it's like I feel like I'm good but then there's always that little bit of doubt in the back of your head well well what if I do this wrong what yeah. if I tweak this yeah. so like what have you learned um as you have began your professional career um to be able to mentally stay on the grind regardless of the injuries that you suffered? Uh, you know, the biggest thing I learned was, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, what stage you're at, at some point in your career, everyone is going to be tested. Like you can't hide from adversity, you know, um, every single level you go to, you have to, re you have to uh, prove yourself again. And I saw players overseas, you know, overseas, it's, you, you don't know who you're going to be playing against, you know, like that the average NBA career is only three years. So where do, where do people go when that ends, you know, they go overseas and they, they try to make their way back to the NBA. So, you know, now is my chance where I'm like, I'm seeing guys. Oh yeah. I remember this kid in high school. I remember this guy in college. And now you get to kind of have those personal battles that you, that I didn't have an opportunity to have in college because of injuries. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and now these, some of these guys are struggling because, you know, you go overseas, it's a different style of game. It's a, it's a, it's a high IQ game. It's, it's a possessions game. It's less isolation, more team ball. You have to really understand um, how to score uh, with less dribbles. You have to be super efficient. Um, and guy, it, it, it takes a while for guys to adjust to that style of game. But because of my um, situation in college, and having to figure out how to play uh, through injuries, how to play, um, how, to, how to earn my coach's trust, how to play in a, in a lesser role coming off the bench. Um, when, I got to, when I got to the pro level, I felt like I had more tools in my bag in terms of how to make adjustments. While some of these other guys, they have always been, uh, 
I don't, I don't want to say had anything handed to them because they had to work to get to that position, but they hadn't had certain adversities. Right now you're playing for your livelihood, you know? So there's a little bit more pressure on that. So you have to be able to make adjustments that you have never been asked to do your entire career. And with the stakes being as higher than they've ever been your entire career. Um, so just that pressure, uh, the, the adaptability, the ability to change playing styles, the ability to earn your coach's trust on the fly, all of these things that I've had to do throughout my college career are now serving me um, as, as a professional, you know? So, so like I said, I, I'm, that's why I'm grateful for it, for it all in hindsight, um, that I had to go through those tough times because it all comes back full circle to, to, to really help me, you know, do what I need to do. Wow, that's amazing. And and you, you said some keywords there. It felt like you said you was humble because before everything was handed to you, but you gained the tools to get through adversity, which is exactly. great. And and I was I found out that even so during you entered the draft, right? And it's kind of a recap. Nothing happened in a sense that you weren't you weren't drafted. Mm-hmm. So you bet on yourself and just went overseas and literally tried out teams there. So take us through uh, a, a synopsis of the draft workouts. Did you hear any buzz? And the ultimate decision to say, hey, you know what? I know what I have. I know my tools. I know what I've been through. I'm going to make it. And you went, literally, it's like someone, it's like your story is similar to someone who said they, they, they went to Hollywood, they slept in their car, they didn't know yeah. they may take it like a waitress job and boom. And all we see is that you're a pro professional, but the story of how you get there seems to often be forgotten. Yeah, it was, it was wild, man. So for me coming out of college, like I'm not naive. I know like what my, like where I'm projected and what things are look like the reality of the situation. I know I'm not going to get drafted. So my vision isn't even, I'm not even worried about the draft. Um, I'm just saying, okay, I need to just get an opportunity, right? What does an opportunity look like for me? Um, I had a teammate from Slovenia who had a handler at, while I was at Creighton who helped him get to play college basketball in the United States. Um, and this guy, he was an agent. He, he had come up to practice a bunch of times to, to come check out uh, one of my teammates, Martin Krample. Um, and every time he would come up, you know, I would be on the scout team because I was hurt. This guy didn't know I was hurt, but he's coming to practice like, bro, who is this kid? Like, he can play. Like, why is he not playing more? You know, he's always asking Martin, why is he not playing? Like, he's killing these dudes. But, you know, it's about earning the coach's trust, earning the trust in my body. So he doesn't really know the backstory of I was a highly touted recruit and I'm going through some injuries. So he doesn't know anything about this. He's just seeing me play and practice um, and then wondering why I'm not playing in the games. Um, So after my senior season, uh, he's the only agent to reach out to me because he's the only one that really got a chance to see me play. and he's like, listen, man, like, I, I think I can help you. I want you to come play in my country, um, in Slovenia, and, you know, come play here. We'll, we'll, we'll build, we'll, this will lay a good foundation for you here. And then I'll get you to wherever you want to be. But we just need to get your foot in the door. I end up going to play in Slovenia 
small contract, small town, um, my rookie season. But during my rookie season, it gets cut short because of COVID. So I didn't really have a ton to really show at the professional level. Um, so I, we end up having to go home, season's cut short, and you know I'm going to the off season just super uncertain of what this is going to look like. Um, I end up just not hearing anything from anybody really. Well, the, everything we are hearing is, yeah, there's just not enough film on him of, from this past season. Uh, you know, it was just an unfortunate situation. A lot of careers ended before they really started because of COVID. You know what I mean? Um, guys got their foot in the door, but you just didn't have a long enough season to really show what you could do. Um, I'm begging. I'm like, listen, man, what do I have to do? Like, I, I, I know that I can play. I just, I just need an opportunity. Um, and he's like, I don't know. It's hard to really, they're not, teams aren't taking guys from America right now because with COVID, you got to pass a COVID test. You got to go through the screening and they have to pay for all this stuff. So it's like, it's not worth the investment. They're really only take their buying players out of their contracts from the pool of people that are already in Europe. So I'm like, listen, man, like, let, let me just, let me fly out, right? Let me fly out. And mind you, I have not worked a job, right? I, 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 my season got cut short, so I don't have much money. And I'm like, let me take all the money I have. I'll buy it. I'll buy a ticket to Europe. So I fly into Slovenia and all season long, um, I mean, all off season, there was one team that I played against my rookie season. It was one really good team that I played against. And in my mind, I just kept writing it down. Like uh, next season, I will play for Helio Suns. I will average 15 points, three rebounds, five assists. I'm like literally writing this down every single day of my off season, um, just to kind of keep my head in the game and to give me something, you know, because I, I would have gone crazy the way things were looking, you know? Um, so I fly out and I'm living in his office, in my agent's office. I'm sleeping in his office, you know, for a week I'm sleeping in his office. Um, and the following, the, the last day of that week, the team that I had been writing down, they called him and said, hey, we're getting ready to go play um, in this international league, um, which is called the ABBA League Two. And we are not sure how many of our players are gonna be able to get into the bubble, right? Cause you have to test, we have to test negative in order to go in. So we're like, maybe we can take him. And if he tests positive, if he tests negative then he can play with us, you know? Um, so I go have one practice with this team and we leave to go to Serbia the next day. Go to Serbia, I don't play the first game. Um, play, play a few minutes the first game. I think I played like, like 12 minutes, have like 7.5, five rebounds. Um, but it was enough to keep them interested, enough to be like, okay, maybe he can play a little bit. The following game, um, I go in, I have 19 points, five rebounds, six assists. And, um, you know, and I'm literally thinking to myself, like, this is, this is it. This is everything I've been writing down. Like, so I'm like, again, this manifestation of speaking into existence and, and God creating a way for me. So I'm like, this is it, you know? Um, after that trip, they offer me a contract for the rest of the season. I end up staying with the team. And then that gave birth to my professional career. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a grind, man. A lot of uncertainty. 
I'm kind of speechless right now. <laughs> like this wow. is like it's like it's like yo like when when people say the grind is real like your story is literally especially the grind is real especially when people have to like with covid just coming the way that it did and and like you said like a lot of opportunities were taken away from individuals I won't say taken away, but it was it was cut short yeah. due to what COVID um, has done to just the world in general. Yeah. And Phil, you got another question because I was about to shift. Yeah, I I, I um I only question is really, um, who is the your goat? Man, the look, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna talk to him about the finals. Okay, um, so you're back. You're back. We know you're back. So yeah, we know right. you've been watching the game. So, like, what do you what do you think of of this series right now? Man, you know, I want I want the Celtics to win. I'm like, oh, I'm boo! But <laughs> it, it's it's not looking good for the boys, man. It's not looking good for the home team. They just they they don't shoot the ball well enough. They don't shoot the ball well enough. Um, and if it's a close game, you know, like the only way, like the the game they won. Was it game one when they stole on the road? Yeah. But they're never, they're not going to play like that. Like they can't play like that every game, you know, they, they just can't do it. They don't shoot the ball well enough. And you saw the way they shot the ball that game. They would, they go six for six for 18 from three. You're right. There's no chance that they're doing that ever again throughout this series. And that yeah. was the only game that they like, that you could tell they won that game. Could I propose this? Maybe they are shooting well for a normal team. It's just that they have they're playing against the two best shooters of all exactly. time, which exactly. is let's say the Celtics are playing at out of level ten, they're shooting a lot of level eight, which yeah. would usually give them the championship. This is playing against a team that shoots at level twenty five. Steph is shooting at a level 25. We're still waiting for everyone else to show up yeah. even for the Warriors. And he's it's picking nice up the slack. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Three's worth more than two every day of the week. So that's why Golden <laughs> State's always gonna have a chance. Mm -hmm. like, like last game, you saw it. Like they were in they were in a good position, but mm -hmm. three's worth more than two. Like they're always only one or two possessions away from you know pulling the game back within reach. I just don't think the Celtics have enough. Yeah. Here's my question. We had this um, discussion. Who do you think or what teams, it could be a player or teams, you would think will have the first player to win all three MVPs? Regular season, M regular season MVP, conference MVP, and NBA final MVP. I mean, that means you have to be on a winning team. Correct. So the only team right now that could possibly do it is Golden State. And it would probably have to be uh, Steph just because they're going to have to win that many games to get regular season MVP. They're going to have mm -hmm. to be in the, in the, in the fighting for a championship. So that's Steph um, playoff MVP got to be, you know, it, it has to be, it, it can only be Golden State. It can only be someone off Golden State. Here's my list. I said, Joel 76 is. He's not winning the championship. He's not winning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish Kelvin and Evan was on the show. And not with, they're not beating Golden State. <laughs> I'm just saying, you can say that again so I can make sure that our other contemporaries on the show will hear that. They're not going to win the championship. The Nets, KD, 
right? Yep, yep. Um, um, out west, we said possibly Luca, and we said within the, the first person to do it. Not even like who's okay, the okay, first person. Okay, to do okay, it. okay. Who's okay. the first person going to do it? I okay. possibly, and you said the number one thing, championship team. I even gonna, I'm going to propose, well, Allen proposed um, Kawhi. I propose LeBron James. Okay, yeah, LeBron could definitely do it mm-hmm. without a doubt. Um, Luca could do it only after only after uh, Golden State Dynasty's done because he's not getting through them in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, Brooklyn it with, with KD. That's that. Th- those are the only three that I'll take. Would you? Have Everybody Giannis else there? is done. Would you add Giannis <laughs> to that list? He's not winning a championship. Finito. He's not, he not going to win another done. one. You think, you think the one last Toronto. year was it? <laughs> he got a Toronto championship. He's done. Yeah, that's it. Him and Kawhi. Chop it up. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you, who is your GOAT? Oh, we, we have this question every single day, man. Yeah. Uh, who is your GOAT? I don't know, man. Like, I want to say LeBron. Just oh. because, like, no, just, no, no, no. Here, like, just because, like, <laughs> You know, statistically, like numbers don't lie, right? Yeah. But I just don't love watching LeBron, if I'm being honest. Like he doesn't have like, like finesse. Like I'd rather watch Kobe and Jordan play, but LeBron can do everything better. Like doesn't shoot, doesn't shoot it as well, but every stat line he he can produce more. You know what I mean? So it's hard to argue against that. But I could. Moments, <laughs> moments. You see, I've seen Michael Jordan whip my teams behind for years while yeah. I was in high school, and every year he broke my heart. I said, "The Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan. I'm yeah. a Knicks fan, and my concubine is the Nets." Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so, I he broke my heart. I've seen him do it. Um, I've seen him do it over with the Knicks. I've seen him do it. Think about it. Out of the top seventy-five, yeah. and I'm just on top of my head. He kept at least ten to fifteen. From getting a championship, yeah, during yeah. his era, his strength era, and when he took a break, that's what Houston and they said. I heard Kenny Smith. I still believe that the Jordan would have found a way to beat the Houston during that time. Yeah, right. So during that break, it was it's it's that's why I say Jordan, and Jordan only had one home Hall of Famer playing with him, one yeah. one or two. They, I think Kukoc got in right. Yeah, and yeah, Dennis Rodman and Pippen. No, everybody oh, else. Oh, 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 time out. You can't go from saying he only had one Hall of Famer. Oh, I said a few. Uh, and two. then but- named Dennis Rodman, the greatest rebounder <laughs> of all time. Tony Kukoc, arguably one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. Come on, brother. All right. But LeBron had who? He had Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis. How many top 75 plays he had? Le- Jordan had two top 75 players. LeBron had LeBron had yeah, but, had yeah, but the, Carmelo Anthony. He had he had like yeah, like, but the blueprint of the NBA is different now. You need to have that in order. Like at early in, in when MJ was playing, mm-hmm. there weren't these like these super teams like they are now. Like that that wasn't a thing. They were. I I I'm gonna say they were, but I understand what you're saying. The the style play is different. Completely. But they, because think about it this way: who Jordan played against, Larry Bird. I think he no, he never beat Larry Bird. I don't think he beat Larry Bird. Larry, Kevin McHale. Yeah. That that's an all-star legendary Hall of Fame team right there. Yeah. Magic Johnson was an all-star legend 
but the only thing was that the team he didn't win together. at those times though he didn't win at those times when 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 the celtics were at their best Jordan right. didn't win when the he, lakers were at their best he Jordan did didn't win. he did he did he beat them he beat magic johnson he beat Matt. That's when Kareem. Well, that's when Jordan was getting eaten up by Le, um, Magic Johnson, and then La- P- Pippen held him, and they won that championship. Oh uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I'm saying. So I'm, right. So I'm saying this. LeBron, LeBron literally played with real over 15 <laughs> Hall of Famers, and, 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 and well, I mean, played with on his team. Yeah. Where Jordan only had probably two Hall of Famers. And he was dominated teams who had three or four Hall of Famers, two or three Hall of Famers or dominated. So that's what I'm saying. So I hear you, but some of that's not on some of that you can't penalize LeBron for that because that's just the the general he, he, he's the, defect, the landscape of the NBA now. But that's he's the, the, but he's the, the defect though, GM. He's putting these teams together. <laughs> think, yeah. yeah. So he lost, he lost. I'm just saying, he lost nine playoff. He lost what? He's six for four for six. He lost in six finals. It's amazing. I do give him oh, this. Been there more though. But I give him this. He went to ten straight NBA finals, which nobody has done since since um Bill Russell. I give him that much. Yeah. But overall, you gotta give him that. He took that. <laughs> overall, MJ to me had done it all. He laid a blueprint. He dominated, and he was the MVP for each one of those finals. He was. He 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 dominated. I mean, think of it: if Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, um, um, Larry Johnson, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Isaiah got one. Uh, I'm trying to think other players. Carl Malone. Yeah. These are players who, if Jordan was a year older or never came back, would have got a championship. He stopped so many people from getting a championship. I, I I agree with you. I agree LeBron with you. James. I, I will say the same can be said for LeBron. No, LeBron James to stop for a moment. There's only one winner at the end of the day. And LeBron was getting there 10 years in a row. So that means for 10 years in a row, every single player on those other teams were not getting there. So just like you make the case for Michael Jordan, those other guys, they're not getting there either. You know what I mean? So here's the case. If Kawhi Leonard played during Michael Jordan's era, right? I mean, peak, he would never got a championship. Dirk would have never got a championship, right? I'm saying these are teams he lost to. Yeah, but... it, how many years did it take Jordan to get his first one? Same amount, seven, seven, eight years. It took him. That was the average. Not, okay. not too many people with like um, Bill Russell or Magic Johnson, Larry Bird came in with a bunch of Hall of Famers, and look, the team wasn't that good. And LeBron carried the team. Like, but think I, about think about the pressure that LeBron came. LeBron I agree. Out, uh, he was. He, they said that he was going to be the greatest when he was in high school. I agree. The, the animal that LeBron had to handle versus. What Michael Jordan had to handle completely different. Completely I agree. Different. I will agree with that. And because Michael social Jordan media. had to, he he had a chance to, to carve out his career. LeBron's was it was either you're going to be greater or you're a bust. I agree. I agree. I would I would just make this statement. Go I ahead. think Michael Jordan kind of set the precedent for LeBron. For sure. Yeah. For and sure. That's, and, and that's that and that's and that's and follow. Yeah, and that's and. I mean, it's it's hard to say, like, well, did he – everyone basically would say he would fail. I mean, I'm just like, look, let's just let the chips fall where they may, and then we'll just make the assessment at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, I put it like this. I put it like this. LeBron is the greatest of this era. Mm-hmm. Of this particular era, he's he's the greatest. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Now, I would say even when LeBron was in the East, everyone's going to say, oh, it wasn't weak. I was like, well, well, who are really the superstars in the East at that time? That's fair. All the great, all the great players were really in the West. That's why the West was always like the yep. best of the best because they had all like the real stars, like not taking away nothing from like Paul Pierce, not taking anything away from no, Dwight I take Howard. Away from but at that time, at that time, like the wing position wasn't the top, the top of the top. Like, I think at that time it was more of like just a guard driven league. LeBron kind of like LeBron probably maybe a little bit before LeBron because Pierce came in before him. It was more of like it wasn't really that many dominant wing players. Yep. at that three position when he came in everyone else was either a point guard because you're talking about Allen Iverson Steph Marbury T-Mac mm -hmm. you know what I mean but eventually T-Mac ended up going going west mm -hmm. so there was really like no one that I'm gonna say as a individual matchup compared to a team matchup because whenever we think of team matchups we always think of the Celtics we always think of uh, the Pistons, like I'm, I'm over here really thinking of like who are like the actual like individual matchups. Yeah, and no, really the only person that really like gave like them going back and forth was really just Paul Pierce and LeBron for that short stink, and that was really it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. You can't argue with that. I think that I think I, I would agree with everything you just said. And you but. agree with everything I said too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Look, 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 look. Phil, Phil be reaching with his statements. Like, yeah. like there might be like a small piece that you agree with, but, but then he, everything he, else he, is he like, are. nah, bro. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, I hear you, Phil. I hear you. I don't feel you, but I hear you. <laughs> That's horrible, but <laughs> oh, no. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> but once again, Caleb, thank you for coming through. Uh, this was a great interview. I didn't know it was going to be this long, but I enjoyed every single moment of it. Me too. Um, took away some nuggets from it and just keep continuing to grind. Um, I don't know why in my mind I'm thinking you have some type of foundation because I'm always telling somebody to plug something. But you could just throw out your Instagram or your Twitter or whatever the case may be, and that's that's something people can just continue just to keep tabs on you to see how everything's going over while you're playing. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I, I do though, actually, um, for, I, I, I work with young athletes and teach them how to kind of handle some of the things that I've talked about in my career. Uh, I got my, my background in, uh, emotional intelligence and healthy lifestyle management. So, um, if any young athletes are looking to, really just figure out how to navigate their life as a their career uh you can go to selfhelptour.com um reach out to me at selfhelptour on instagram or caleb joseph 15 on instagram and um, i'm happy to uh to give you anything that i've learned throughout my career um to yeah help you in any way so uh yeah just let me know hey caleb definitely um text me that and we'll definitely put it on the flyer or yeah. as a hashtag. And yeah. I think you need to meet Anthony Murrow because he is into, um, he's with the Hornets. Yep, yep. And I'll definitely plug you in with him and For maybe sure. something, y'all could work out something. For sure, man. Thank you guys. I really appreciate your time, man. 
No problem, no problem. But ladies and gentlemen, that concludes the interview. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on the different platforms that we post on or wherever you listen to your podcast. We out. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.